the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. My Lord, my God, I firmly believe that you are here. That you see me, that you hear me. I adore you with profound reverence. I ask your pardon for my sins and grace to make this time of prayer fruitful. My Immaculate Mother, St. Joseph, my Father and Lord, my guardian angel, intercede for me. Well, Lord, the theme for our conversation tonight is that first encounter that you had with your soon-to-be apostles on the bank of the Jordan at the beginning of uh, St. John's account of the gospel. And for this time of prayer, as we just prayed, you know, we ask our Lord to make this time of prayer um, fruitful. We want to fruitfully make this time of prayer. We believe that our Lord is here, uh, that he sees us, that he hears us. And during a, a preached meditation, um, during this time of, of closeness with Christ, you know, the the role of the one who's preaching is just to, to give some, some thoughts, to kind of, I'm just doing my afternoon time of prayer out loud, and anything that's that's helpful and spurs on our conversation, great. Anything that's not, and if we just take our conversation with our Lord in a completely different direction, that's awesome too. Um, however it goes, it, the important thing is our personal conversation, our personal conversation with Christ, um, and how Jesus gets pointed out to us. Um, the very beginning of this whole thing, the, the kind of the first domino to fall, John the Baptist points out Jesus to... Um, the crowd that's there with him, right? The next day, he, John the Baptist, saw Jesus coming toward him and said, Behold the Lamb of God, who takes away the sins of the world. And then the next day, again, John is there, and particularly that day, John the Apostle and Andrew are there with him. And so he looked at Jesus as he walked by, and he said, Behold the Lamb of God, that John points out Jesus for us. And that's his role. That's his role as the forerunner, to, to point out Jesus, to just point us to Jesus. And John says in another place, he must increase and, and I must decrease. And so that's the role of the forerunner. And particularly in a, in a kind of out loud time of prayer, that's the role of the, the actual meditation itself, is meant to be pointing to Christ so that ultimately this isn't a time about like just taking a lot of really good notes and journaling well and catching every word that Father Casey says. It's being recorded so it'll be on the podcast later so you don't have to worry about that. Um, but that it is, no, it's more about, you know, pointing out Jesus. And as soon as we can get that interaction with our Lord, as soon as we can get that time of conversation with him and our hearts move to him, then, then all of my words should just fade to the background. And we just have conversation with you, Lord. That's what's most important. That's what's most important in our spiritual life. It's just conversation with our Lord. Friendship with Christ. It's almost impossible to maintain a friendship with someone that we never talk to. I have a very good friend. We're in seminary together. And we have a rule that we need to try to talk at least once a month. Um, and so whether he calls me or I call him, 
We try to talk at least once a month. It's probably been like two and a half months since we've spoken, but I was the last one to call him, so I don't feel bad about it. Um, I did find out at Seek last year that he took me off of his Christmas card list because we hadn't spoken for over a year. And so in punishment, I don't get a Christmas card from him anymore. Um, but that's because we just acknowledge and we both know that unless we regularly stay in communication, unless we're regularly talking, we can't maintain a real friendship because then when we go to talk again, we're going to, well, where are you? What's your parish? And we do small talk and then it's nonsense. Well, that happens with our Lord all the time. Is that unless we're maintaining a regular daily conversation with him, then it's very hard to jump back in. And we, you know, if we've let our conversation with him go, if we, if we haven't talked to him, if we've been ignoring him, um, then we, we need to get back in and jump right back in. But conversation with Christ, that, that's the heart of our spiritual life. That's, that's the stuff that makes it go every single day. It's just little times of prayer with our Lord. And so John is that first domino that, that starts this massive thing going by pointing out to his two disciples, John and Andrew, Christ, our Lord. Behold the Lamb of God. It's really cool. I like, um, there's an Instagram, there's all kinds of good Instagram reels about like the first kind of step in something, right? So again, whether it's a domino or whether it's like a ball, you push a ball down this and then it bounces, and then ridiculous stuff happens after that. And that's what happens when, when we're introduced to our Lord. Like you have no idea. This looks like some dumb little thing that we're just gonna, you know, slide a marble down this ring and then it's all set up in God's divine providence. So that the, the apostolic ventures that can happen, the horizons that open, the way that, that we actually enter into relationship and holiness and that other souls may come to know Christ just because we allow ourselves in that one little moment to be that, that domino that's pushed over. And that can happen here tonight in our conversation. Lord, that we, we allow ourselves to be, to be pushed into holiness, pushed into, into mission, and so the two disciples, they hear this. And we hear they follow Jesus. Right? It's, it's so basic. I love John sometimes. He just, they just follow Jesus. They, they hear this, behold the Lamb of God. And okay, now we're going to follow Jesus. Right? They were disciples of John the Baptist. And in that moment, they change into disciples of Christ. And it's a small thing, right? And for us... The moment when we decide that, like, okay, I'm going to go instead of following this or that, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to follow Jesus. It could be a small, silent, interior thing. But it's a, it's a moment that doesn't have to have crazy fireworks. It doesn't have to have all kinds of ceremony around it. It's just, no, Jesus was pointed out to me, and I'm going to follow him. I, I want to follow him. And I want to conform my life to his and become a disciple in this way. And so they follow Jesus. Now, it doesn't start off very good. I don't think they're very good disciples at first, which is always wonderful. When we look at the apostles and we see that they're, they're probably not good disciples because um, they're following Jesus. Um, but I think they're doing it at a distance when you really consider the scene. Like, what does it look like that they, they're following Jesus from a distance and maybe don't even have his attention? So... Maybe they start by stalking Jesus. And if that's how we have to start our discipleship, uh, that we're going to stalk him and not really be in relationship yet, and that's where we are, like, okay, 
great. Like, Lord, if, if that's where I am, that we're not even having a conversation yet, but I just want to um, stalk you a little bit. Like, I'm just going to follow you around at first. That's, an, that's a good place to start. Right? We're already wanting to. So I'm just going to follow you around a little bit. I'm, I'm shocked as a millennial. Uh, I'm shocked by how much you can find out about someone on the internet. I just had somebody come to me the other day who um, got somebody's name. And as a result of getting their name, they showed me a picture of them, where they work, their address, and their phone number. And I'm like, wow, all right, stalker. Like, way, way to go. Um, and maybe sometimes, you know, wanting to be someone's friend, it's like, oh, I want to learn a little bit about this person. So I'm going to look up all their social media profiles, and I'm going to find out about them. And then I'm going to decide, like, hey, we should be friends. Um, there's a beautiful story of a, a married couple in our parish who got to know each other starting through Instagram. And uh, it was the wife who kind of was looking at her now husband's old Instagram posts and found some cool things in there and then planted stuff in her posts that knowing that he may be seeing them would be like getting his attention Right. So in particular, he's really good at skipping rocks. And he uh, posted a video of him like skipping rocks with a lot of skips. And so she, for New Year's, put a resolution that says, I want to learn how to skip a rock this year. And that um, that just moved like then, you know, he DM'd her and the whole and now they're married and they have a baby. Right. And it happened that easy. If only every marriage was that easy. But it can happen. Maybe like that's what happens with our Lord at first. Like, we're just going to stalk his Instagram. And we're just going to kind of follow from afar. And we're not ready to have a conversation yet. But, like, Jesus, like, I'm looking at your Instagram. Like, I'm, I'm following you in the gospel. And I'm watching from afar. And so that's what the apostles, they, they start with them. They're just stalking around behind him. But then, in a certain moment, Jesus, we hear, Jesus turns and says, what are you seeking? Right? Jesus is the one that takes the initiative that we're going to change this relationship. Our Lord, by his grace, reaches out to these two, Andrew and John the Evangelist, and says to them, what are you looking for? Like, what do you, what do you want? Right? It could, it could be a deep and profound question, right? When we can pray with this, we can hear it very profoundly. Like, what, what do you seek? Like, what's the deepest desires of your hearts? What are, you, what are you really, like, looking for and thirsting for? Or we could just hear, like, what do you want? <laughs> like, you, you two creepers have been following me for the last mile and a half. Like, what, what do you guys want, right? But we got to let our Lord say that to us as we start a path of discipleship. Like, Jesus, Jesus, you turn to us. And you, you take the initiative if we are being a little timid, we're not really going after you, you take that initiative and you, you turn and you look at us. You say, look, what, what are you looking for? And that's a question each one of us can answer, right? In the depth of our hearts, we could allow that question to, to kind of resound. What am I looking for? What, what, do, I, what do I really want? Right? If, I, if I were to make a list of like, what do I, what do I really want? Um, do I want just comfort, like I just don't want to be bothered. Do I want, um, you know, good grades in school? I just want to, I just want to graduate. Like that's all I want. I'm just, uh, I'm in a mindset that I just want to graduate and get school done with. 
I just want to be in, you know, my particular dating relationship. I, I want to be in that relationship. I just want that relationship to go somewhere. Um, maybe I just want to be married, right? Um, I just want to be a parent, be a mom or a dad. Um, what do I, what do I want? What am I looking for? I want, I want to make a lot of money. Um, I want, I want to be lazy, like, to be honest, like, Lord, if I just want to be lazy, I don't want to do any, I really don't want anything. I don't want to do anything. I just want to lounge around all day. Like, what, what do I really want? It's a great question to ask. And if the answer is anything other than Jesus, well, then it needs to be adjusted and it needs to be, it needs to be changed a bit. Like, ultimately, Jesus, I, I want you, um, but Jesus says, like, what, do, what are you guys looking for? What are, you, um, what are you doing? And they say to him, and I just love, like, they probably weren't prepared for a conversation with him at that point. Like, they're, they're stalking him a bit. And he's like, all right, like, let's just do this. Like, what are you looking for? Uh, and so they ask him, everyone's traveling. It's a Jewish feast. So, hey, what hotel are you staying at? When we go to Seek later this year um, or early next year, uh, people stay at all different hotels, right? And so the easiest small talk question with someone is like, hey, what hotel are you staying at? Any, any murders on the way here, right? I don't get, a, I don't get arrested. Uh, drug deals, did you see any drug deals on the, on the walk over here? You know, oh, but the city we're staying in is super safe. Just don't go out alone at night. Um, you know, what, what hotel are you staying at? Uh, it, and maybe that's the question they ask him, right? Just a small talk. Hey, where, where are you staying, right? Uh, let's just keep it casual. Let's just tell me what hotel you're in. Oh, is that a good one? Yeah. Okay. Well, you know, we, um, we have to do that too, right? Um, Jesus, where, where are you? Like, what's going on? Where are you? Like, where are you? I want to maybe be able to talk to you again. Uh, I want to be able to find you. So where are you? Where do you stay? Where, um, where you staying could also be translated. Where do you stay? Right? Where do you remain? And ultimately, in the depth of relationship, like Jesus, I want to find that place where you stay and things are stable. They're consistent. Growing up in the 90s, in early new millennium, I'm a fan of the show Boy Meets World. And Boy Meets World is actually, I guess it's considered a perfect show by some people because... Every season, as the actors got older, the show changed its tone. So it's like, it is more of a kid's show when they're all like 11 years old. And then as they get older, the tone of the show changes, which allowed everybody that was watching it to kind of grow up with the show. And so you can start watching Boy Meets World as, a, as an 11-year-old or a 12-year-old, and you'll identify with season one. And you could be watching it as like a senior in high school and you're identified with the later seasons and, and it just like it, you can develop with it. But there's a particular, I think it's the beginning of like season three and Corey's going to high school and doesn't want to go to high school and everything's changing. He says things are changing and he's changing and, you know, he's going to look like Mr. Potato Head for the next year or something. And, and it's just this whole thing of like, I don't want anything to change. Uh, I want stability. And that's something that's deep in our human, in our human condition. Like, I want stability. I don't want stuff to keep changing so much. Um, and the show plays it for a whole gag that, like, the restaurant that they would always go to that would be stable. 
gets sold and changes and you know uh, uh, his brother goes away and Topanga cuts her hair off and the whole thing but they um but we want stability and Jesus ultimately like we want our stability with you where do you stay like where is the place that you remain that we can always find you because Jesus I want a permanent relationship with you not just something casual that we bump into each other every here and there but I want a I want a long-term relationship I want to know that I can always find you. My cell phone number hasn't changed since uh, the year 2002 or maybe 2003. Um, it's been the same cell phone number the whole time. Like if I and just con- I'm contemplating going to a new cell phone provider. And if I had to change my phone number, like I'll take bad service over a new phone number because people know how to get a hold of me. It's it's stable, right? This is the number you use to get Father Casey. Well, like, Jesus, I want that stability with you. How do, I, how do I talk to you? And what does Jesus say? He doesn't give them an address. He doesn't say, show up at the Catholic Center at 6 o'clock and you'll, that's where I am, right? No, he invites them. Come and see. It's one, of the, it's one of the most encouraging lines in Scripture. Just come and see. Like, we're not going to, this isn't going to be something that, yeah, go there and fill out this paperwork. Oh, you guys want to be apostles? Do your safe environment training first, then we can talk about it, right? Like, no, just come and see. Just come hang out. Uh, just just spend time. Uh, come spend time with me. Because it's not about a location. It's not about reading this book. It's not about doing this paperwork. And sometimes we can boil our faith down to those types of things that I just got to do these things. I've got to check these boxes. And at the heart of it, no, it's about, it's about relationship with a person. And so Jesus invites us in, right? Come and see, just, just come in and, you know, I'll show you, I'll show you not only the place where I'm staying, but you'll see so much more. You'll see where I remain. You'll see that stability that only I can give. And they came and saw where he was staying and they stayed with him that day for his about the 10th hour. Now, this little detail for us can be something we don't get, but there's an element that's involved where they go and they stay with him and we hear it's about the 10th hour. Okay, who cares? Um, well, first of all, the impact of that meeting was such that John, who's the one writing this, remembered the exact minute he met Jesus, right? He remembers the exact time of that conversation. It was four o'clock in the afternoon. Um, I know the exact day and the exact time that I met the Messiah. I met God and God became my friend. Like I know that exact day and that exact time. And so John is recounting this and it's an important thing. Like I remember, I remember that first day, that first time that we met, that we talked. I remember how, what it was like to be with Jesus. Actually, John's whole gospel, if you read the gospel of John, the entire gospel of John is just John trying to tell us what it's like to be friends with God. Like that is, you could boil the whole gospel down to, this is what it was like to be friends with God. And that's why in John's gospel, sometimes the details of the story fade into the background. And it's just conversation. Conversation between Jesus and Nicodemus. Conversation between Jesus and the woman at the well. Right? Conversation between Jesus and crowds. But it just kind of, it, it, the details fall to the side and the depth of conversation there, because John's reminding us 
what it's like to be friends with Jesus, to be friends with God. And so he knows the exact time. This is the moment, four in the afternoon on that day, is when God invited me in. He invited me to be with him, to come and see. And so I went, and so did Andrew, and we stayed. Now, the other thing is, though, that in the ancient world, and that time of year, probably going to get dark around 6 o'clock, right, where it's right around the equinox, uh, maybe a little after, so 6.30, which means if you're staying with someone, if you're going over someone's house at 4 in the afternoon, you're stuck there. Like, you don't, there's not time, because you can't travel after dark, because it's dark, and it's dangerous. And so if you're going to go, you are stuck. And, therefore, our relationship with Jesus. Like, Lord, you invite us in, but but we've got to take the leap that we're going to be stuck with you for a little while, and we're going to have that conversation. And we're going to, if it all is a bust, and it's a total failure, I can't call for a ride home. Like, I'm, I'm stuck here. Um, again, there's some very funny social media things about, like, being on a weird date and needing to call for the, the ride home. Like, <laughs> you got to get me out of here. I, uh, I don't want to be here anymore. This person's a weirdo. I'm just going to pretend to go to the bathroom and, and bail. Okay. Like, you can't do that with our Lord. Um, and if we want to keep that, that parachute ripcord, that I can just bail out on this. And I, if it's not going well, Lord, I'm, I'm just going to go. And that happens in the big picture, right? Like, Jesus, I have to take a risk. It's not risk-free on our part, right? This is not, try it out if you don't like it, whatever. Like, no, we have to really take the risk to spend that time with you. And so to come and see, but being about four in the afternoon means it's a commitment. Because if this person, like, if John, John was maybe a little... <laughs> he was a little intense, right? I don't want to call him crazy. Although I think in The Chosen, they call him Crazy John. Um, but like, John's a pretty intense. And John says, hey, follow that guy. Like, things, things could get weird, right? It could, John, John the Baptist friend group, like, things could get a little weird and a little intense. And, uh, I'm not really into all this um, zeal and fanaticism. Okay. But so they had to take a bit of a risk. Um, and we, we have to do that with our Lord, too. Like, Jesus, I'm willing to take the risk. I'm willing to, to be with you and to, to stay. And it's the 10th hour. And it pays off. It pays off huge. Because whatever happened that night, what do we hear? One of the two who heard John speak and followed Jesus was Andrew, Simon Peter's brother. And he first found his own brother, Simon, and said, we found the Messiah, which means the Christ, right? Four in the afternoon, they're taking a risk with our Lord. And then the next day, Andrew goes and finds his brother and says, we found God. Like, we found the Messiah. Um, whatever, and, and the whole beauty of the gospel is in the, the silence in between those two verses. Like, what happened that night? What, what was that night like? Spending that time with Jesus. What, what conversations did they have? All right, John and Andrew were probably asking some questions about the things John the Baptist said, but whatever happened in that conversation that night, they're convinced. Like, not like, maybe this is the Messiah, right? There's other times where it's like, could this man be the Messiah? 
That's not what Andrew says. Andrew says, we found the Messiah. Like, we found the Christ. I am convinced, right? I'm convinced that Jesus is the Christ. This, this Jesus, who I just met yesterday. I just, literally just met this guy yesterday afternoon, and I'm convinced that he is the Messiah sent by God. And Lord, that can happen. Even in our time of prayer, like right here, right now, you can stir in our heart in that way. You can convince us in a time of quiet prayer that you are the Christ, right? And we can just know with confidence, you know me. You love me. You see me and you hear me. We have this conversation with you, Lord, and we're willing to take the risk. Every, every time we step into the chapel for a time of prayer, Right, our our meditation this afternoon about a half hour long, right? Like that, that's a risk. Father Casey may be off his game. This is going to be a really tough half hour, and he's just going to ramble and be, you know, making no sense at all and thinking he's very funny and he's not. And so this is just painful to listen to. Um, so we're going to tune him out and just talk to our Lord if that happens. Absolutely. Um, we're going to make a holy hour. It's like it's an hour. I'm not leaving this chapel for an hour, Lord. We got stuff we got to talk about. But if if it's boring after like two minutes, I'm going to be here for the next 58. Like I'm taking that risk on you, Lord. But when we really enter into it and our Lord really shows up and answers our prayer, we can leave a holy hour. We can leave a half hour meditation. Like I found the Christ. I found God. What, what did you all go do in that chapel? I found God. <laughs> you should go meet him. Like, he's literally down the hall. Oh, that, that's incredible, right? That's the encounter we can have with you, Lord. Like, that's what you call us to. You call us to, to find you. And then in, to invite others in, right? And so this is the last point, is that immediately, Andrew, who does he, he goes and he finds his brother and he invites him in. Like, we found the Christ and it's not just a secret club but I want you to be part of this. I want you to meet him too. It's not just for me, but it's for you too. So he finds his brother, Simon. We found him. Then they go the next day and they find Philip, right? Philip. And Philip follows Jesus. Jesus found, follow me. Philip finds, follows him. And then Philip goes and he finds Nathaniel. And this is where it gets really cool because Philip's like, hey, um, we found him. Like, this thing's spreading like a wildfire already. We found him, whom Moses in the law and also the prophets wrote, Jesus of Nazareth, the son of Joseph. And Nathaniel, because he's in a bad mood that day, or whatever, because he's also very blunt, right? Nathaniel is, is blunt. And so he says, can anything good come from Nazareth? Like, he's from Nazareth. Um, like, that is West Virginia. Uh, I hate to say it, like, if anyone's from West Virginia. But, like, Nazareth is, like, backwater West Virginia. Uh, there's a beautiful thing about how Elizabeth is from a priestly uh, tribe. And her and Zechariah, like, they're priests and they minister in Jerusalem. Like, they're metropolitan. They, like, live in Washington. They would be, like, the people that live in Washington, D.C. And Elizabeth's cousin from West Virginia in the backwoods <laughs> goes and visits her. And Elizabeth is the one saying, how does the mother of my Lord come visit me? Right? Like, you're from rural, middle of nowhere. And Elizabeth, this very cultured metropolitan woman, is like, the mother of my Lord has come to me. 
that's when Mary goes and visits Elizabeth at the visitation. Well, Jesus is from, it's from West Virginia. Um, and he, um, but like, and so Nathaniel's like, no, no way. A guy from Nazareth, that, that can't be the Messiah. Like, let's at least be real Virginia, not West Virginia. And, um, but what does Philip say? Come and see, right? So now the apostles are imitating what Jesus does, right? They're inviting in the same way. It's the method modeled by the master, that they are imitating Christ in how they invite others in. Just come and share life with us. Come and meet her. Just come and see, right? And Jesus, you know, get a little insight here. Uh, Jesus says, behold, an Israel indeed in whom there's no deceit, right? You're a blunt man. You, you speak the truth, even when it's insulting to people, Nathaniel. <laughs> we all maybe know people like that. They don't have a lot of tact. They just say what's on their mind, even if you're going to be insulted. So Jesus says, like, hey, if true Israelite, you say what's on your mind, right? Then says, how do you know me, right? Again, very blunt, not a lot of time. How do you know me? Jesus, before Philip called you, when you were under the fig tree, I saw you. And then Nathaniel says, Rabbi, you're the son of God. You're the king of Israel, right, from that one line. And Jesus even shouts, one line? That's all it took? Like, because I said I saw you under a fig tree? Like, you're going to see so much more than this. Jesus, this is how you want us to come to you. You invite us in. You invite us to take the risk. We get pointed out, you know, through a figure like John the Baptist. We, need, we may have to stalk you for a little while, but eventually you take that initiative and you invite us in. You invite us to come and see and we take the risk and we stay with you. And then we too have to be apostolic. We got to go invite our friends in. It'd be even a great thing just tonight, right? To invite one or two more people. Like, come, come say hi to our Lord. Like, come, come and see. Like, I just had a great half hour conversation with our Lord before we started tonight. Like, you should go talk to him, too. We'll go together. Come and see to invite others in. We ask our mother to pray for us. Mary was either physically present there or definitely interceding while all this was happening and probably watching with a little bit of a smile as things were getting started. So we ask our mother to pray for us, to intercede for us, to help us invite more people in to meet her son, our Savior, Jesus Christ. I thank you, my God, for the good resolutions, affections, and inspirations which you have communicated to me this meditation. I ask your help and put them into effect. My Immaculate Mother, St. Joseph, my Father and Lord, my Guardian Angel, intercede for me.